continue with our 10 o'clock conversation and allow me to invite onto the show Brenton van Frieda, who is the Chief Director in the Department of Social Development. Mr. van Frieda, good morning to you and thanks for your time this morning. Good, good morning, Kathy and to your listeners. So Thanks for having us. Sure, it's a pleasure. We're going to be looking at this World Bank review of South Africa's social assistance programs. And I must say, by and large, we'll talk about some of the weaknesses that they've identified. But I, I think after reading it, I, I was left with a sense of, of hope and a sense of not everything in this country is going wrong because this this is good news. The fact that these social assistance programs are being recognized for being effective and for helping reduce um, poverty and inequality in this country. Yes, so so the, the, the report is very positive. Uh, it's a very comprehensive review of our social assistance report. It's not new. There are, there, I mean, there's a lot of research on our social assistance systems. The World Bank has done reviews periodically over the years, and they sort of say the same thing. But I think it's always good when you do have a report like this to put it out uh, to create the awareness around it, because often we, you know, we have a lot of pessimism and negativity around around our our social programs to, to some extent. And given the current situation that our current current country is in. You know, I think it is good when you do have good news like this to share. You know, the systems are working, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the world. South Africa is actually doing very, very well. Uh, you know, in terms of good targeting, uh, sophistication of systems, and so forth. Uh, notwithstanding, there are challenges. The board highlights a couple of challenges as well. But we do, we are doing very well relative to to, to other countries in our in our sort of income bracket. Before we look at some of the challenges that have been identified in this report, let's talk about just the scale of the programs that South Africa is running. You know, the World Bank describes our country as being one of the biggest spenders on social assistance globally. Yes, so we we are we we are uh, we are quite high in terms of of you know in comparison with other countries, uh, uh, we we sort of at the the top end. Uh, although the report doesn't raise any issues around the sustainability, so from a sustainability point, it you know it 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 doesn't raise any major concerns. They uh, noting that this report was sort of done during the COVID period, but mostly assessing the sort of provisions we've made uh, prior to the COVID period. So with the existing grants, you know, it's we sort of, our average spending has been around three, three and a half percent of GDP. Uh, and that has sort of been constant for a very long time. So, the, so there isn't a fiscal risk, at least, mm. um, from, from that perspective in terms of sustainability. Uh, uh, but obviously with... With our economy, so that will. I mean, so when you compare anything to GDP, if your GDP is going down, that does then create a bit of risk. So we, you know, we did hit quite a large recession, and our GDP did fall significantly last year. So that then introduces an element of risk. Not so much the actual spend, but more the side that if the economy goes the other way, then 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 obviously you've got less money to spend because you'll be collecting less money in taxes. So that does pose a risk. Whether or not that is a cyclical risk, uh, which can be easily mitigated, or sort of a longer-term risk. Uh, and at this stage, I don't... Uh, well, a lot of the economists are still debating whether we are mm-hmm. going to be in a very long-term recession or 
you know, where there was just like a uh, a once or not a, like a like a knock on our recession due to the COVID, but we will recover uh, uh, shortly. Many people, of course, sometimes describe what is happening in South Africa and perhaps the state of the economy as creating a system that ultimately means you have more and more people reliant on government for some level of sustenance and assistance than would be able to actually go out and get a job simply because of the environment that we live in where we've got this high unemployment and very low levels of economic growth. So when you then look at the assistance programs, is that matched up against the need in the country? So do we perhaps take into account the fact that, you know, we're sitting with a 74% youth unemployment rate. How do we actually assist the majority of young people who are currently unemployed? So so that is one of the weaknesses that is identified in the report, is that while our social assistance system has historically been uh, very well targeted, they've reached very high coverage levels, for the categories that it provides for, which is mainly the elderly, the uh, the elderly, the uh, children, and people with disabilities, we get very very high coverage rates in, in and in that in that in those groups. The benefit levels are for the child support grant is very low, but the other benefit levels are very generous. Uh, or not generous is the wrong word, but they are high. They you know significantly higher than the upper bound poverty line. But the biggest weakness is that only covers or that only sort of provides access to about 40% of our population. The vast majority of our population, more about 60%, um, who are sort of those what we call the working age group, they don't have access to social assistance. And that is that is a issue that we as a country now has to have to grapple with. So you will probably be aware there's a lot of debate in the last year about a basic income grant, mm. uh, some people calling for a universal basic income grant, uh, others sort of proposing sort of a much more targeted intervention. To some extent, government has stepped into that space in the last two years. Uh, the first, so, so last year we implemented the COVID SRD grant, temporary intervention, uh, but then, you know, but it was sort of reinstated now for a second year. Um, and, and so that is something we need to to, to assess because uh, there is obviously a huge need uh, to cover that the, the, that particular cohort of the population, the working age, the working population who are unemployed and have you know don't have access mm-hmm. uh, to 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 some form of income support. So so just at the societal level, uh, I mean, so this is so so a lot of people ask where will the money come from. But if one thinks about it broadly at the societal level, people who are unemployed. You know, they 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 do go hungry to a large extent, but they do also get some support from somewhere, whether it's a family member or or you know, they 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 uh, they do access some level of support. So government intervention shouldn't necessarily be seen as raising the expenditure bill, but it's really just about saying, well, how do we as a society then collectively come together and say, let's let's not make this sort of informal ad hoc support for people, uh, which then, you know, the poor tend to end up having to to support the poor. And and we need to think of how do we redistribute that support 
so that it's more evenly spread across society as opposed to so uh, you know mm. just um the poor looking after the poor uh, situation which which we currently have as sasa you would primarily be you know uh, dealing directly with the the scale of the need for assistance in this country so when it comes to developing policy including conversations such as uh, the basic income grant that is currently being debated are you more on the policy agenda setting front so do you out of your own initiative looking at some of the lessons that you're learning make suggestions to um to to government about how and perhaps even the ministry about how interventions or future programs um what these future programs could be and and how they could be implemented or do you wait for the conversation to be on the agenda like the basic in- income grant and then say okay well you know there's this debate about the basic income grant maybe let's try and come up with a paper and see um how it 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 would like it it would be a base likely to work so so yes that is largely our responsibility at the department of social development um we have been working on on this actually for 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 a number of years it's just it's, it's never quite received the kind of interest in fact right from 2002 for example in the Taylor committee which was sort of the first sort of committee that the minister of social development back then set up made a very strong recommendation for a basic income grant um but that didn't necessarily find traction in government at the time government felt it was more important to expand the child support grant um uh, uh before venturing into that that particular terrain and that's essentially what government done over the last uh, 10 years or so was was at the time the child support grant only went to children up to the ages of 0 and 7 and and so that was sort of the main focus is is rolling out that progressively until we eventually reach 18 uh, um So the next logical step is if you continue expanding the the mm-hmm. social assistance system is to either focus on youth as the sort of most vulnerable group at the moment or to sort of venture more into a more general sort of unemployment type assistance um um as as sort of the next step in expanding the social social assistance system but also noting that you know, it has to be done progressively within your available fiscal resources you don't necessarily want to create too much shocks in your economy um to be, when you when you do do this of course at the same time the the economic environment has been evolving and unfortunately you know it, it hasn't always been for the better right now we're sitting at what has been the worst case scenario at least in the recent history of of South Africa do you think that that has an impact has had an impact on the way in which the conversation is being held even around issues such as the basic income grant uh, so i think that's a very new aspect of the basic income grant that is that a lot of us are working on at the moment um and and probably the biggest hindrance to to implementing such a grant is just we've since since the sort sort of since the the financial crisis in 2008 South Africa hasn't really recovered well our growth has sort of been very meager 
since then. Uh, we have very low levels of growth, and that's always been a challenge around around you know getting the fiscal space to be able to expand our social programs. But a lot of work, both that the department has done, and a lot of independent research has done as well, is actually beginning to say, but maybe. The basic income grant is one way you could actually stimulate the economy. And so it's not necessarily just... So reframing that view that should we wait for growth, should we wait for fiscal, you know, to create the fiscal space to expand the social program, or is there sort of the multiplier effects that social programs create um, that actually then boost growth to some extent? Uh, that, that debate is still... <laughs> I mean, there's still a lot of discussion around that. I don't think there's any uh, any agreement at at this stage in terms of w- which way it will go. Mm-hmm. I think there is sort of this general consensus that it won't be bad for growth. Uh, but some saying, you know, they, there's some some research that's saying, well, it actually has a very positive effect on growth. Growth will will reach those high num those high GDP levels again if we actually use a basic income grant as a demand stimulus within our economy. And there are other reports that are saying, yes, you'll get growth, but it's going to be minimal. So some are saying like 6% growth, others are saying 0.5% growth. So I think that's an area that we still need to settle. Uh, I think from the department side, we're a little bit more conservative, saying we should probably proceed in this direction because it's, the evidence is quite clear. You will get a demand stimulus. You will get growth. We can't say what extent it is. But, you know, if you move forward like one step at a time, you can move forward, assess what happens, and then take the next step. And, and, and like we've done with all our grants so far, we've progressively implemented it over a period of time. So I don't think we could do sort of a big step, 200 billion rand, for example, mm-hmm. that many are calling for uh, in one year. But, you know, we could reach that in, say, five to ten years. Um, but we've got to take one step at a time every year moving towards that. Brenton van Frieder is the chief director in the Department of Social Development. We're looking at the government's um, social assistance programs and it's post that World Bank review that they've conducted and uh, mostly really identifying the programs that we have as being effective, as being targeted, but also as having challenges. You know, you heard uh, Brenton there talking about, um, you know, the, the biggest issue now is that we've got so many people, so many people who are outside of the bracket of those who qualify for assistance and yet at the same time these people are not employed these people have no way of entering the the economy at least not even on a formal basis and what happens to those people how are they ex- expected to be to survive and it's been exacerbated by covid as well we'll continue that conversation it's 10:30 luanda has your latest news headlines here, there, and everywhere. Where? SAFM 105.1 FM in Johannesburg. We continue the conversation with Brenton van Frieder, who's Chief Director in the Department of Social Development. You can call us on 011-714-2006 to contribute to this conversation. Brenton, I wanted to talk about one of the other things that has been highlighted by the report, and you can explain better what exactly um, the, the World Bank is referencing here. But it's an issue in terms of the ability of the systems of the of 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 the department and um, 
of 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 Sasa really the ability of these systems to work together and the social registry that 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 has been raised that the fact that there isn't a functioning social registry but also that all of these different programs are, op- are operating in silos and they they're not really working and speaking to each other explain what that practically means right now thanks so so that is that that is one of the the, the areas where where the report identifies that can be strengthened uh, so I think the, maybe the first thing just to mention, those aren't necessarily requirements for a system to function well, but those are things you can do to make your system function better. So the, and, uh, the idea there really is to say we should have our databases of social, uh, uh, of, of social grant beneficiaries, for example, linked with the databases of education, Linked with the databases of home, well, we are linked with home affairs, uh, linked with well, basically health and uh, housing and and so forth. So, so those are basically ideas of saying instead of just targeting your grants to to the to the beneficiaries you target them to, government should actually look at you know linking all of these systems together so that you can target your whole social wage, basic services your free basic services, your health, your education, uh, your social housing, etc., so that you can ensure that, that, that all, your, uh, all the people who are in need can actually not just get a grant, but a full, the full social wage, the full package of the social wage. Mm. Um, and those are... Now, the, the problem with that is the data is not always good. So we had some minimal success with that. For example, we, we have linkages with education, for example. So education has no fee schools, for example, they use the same means. If you're a girl social grant beneficiary, you automatically qualify for no school fees. No, um, no school fees. Mm. Um, we still need to do that, for example, for health. To so say, well, you should also automatically qualify for free health. Um, it becomes a little bit more challenging when you go to municipalities because they don't often. The big municipalities like uh, Joburg Metro, for example, they have excellent data. But you, obviously, when you go to the more rural municipalities, there's just very they don't have electronic systems and so forth. So those kind of linkages would take time to build because mm. it requires system development at, at those levels as well. Um, we've also had some some benefits with the NSFAS, where where social grant beneficiaries who achieve relatively who achieve sort of the the, the pass rates that could get them into university. Uh, we then have arrangements with NSFAS to, to sort of, you know, because uh, we've already means tested them, we've already identified that mm-hmm. they were, um, and so NSFAS uh, also prioritizes them in funding for, for education and so forth. So we've taken small steps in that direction with, with where, there were, where there is good data, but in some areas, you know, there aren't databases that from, from the, the line, the other departments that we can easily work with. Um, but obviously, we, we continuously try to work with them, and as they develop their systems, we then try to integrate with them as well. All right. Brenton, I know you have to go soon. Just one WhatsApp voice note then that I'll play to you from one of our listeners who's uh, listening to this conversation and uh, has the specific question uh, for you. Okay. Good morning, Kevin. I really don't understand how any form of social grant, except maybe a disability grant for someone who cannot do anything for themselves, how that helps the majority of black people. What benefit do you, how do you help someone by giving them handouts every month? 
give people skills create employment for people that's how you help people if you give the black community money just like that you are killing the black community in the long run yes it might seem like you are helping someone because they have a kid you give them money but you are crippling the black child in the process people should work for their money this might not be popular but that's the only way we can get through this we are not helping black people by giving them grants especially the majority black people yes they are poor but you are not helping them give them skills give them jobs and cre create companies thanks a lot jay brenton yes uh I think it's a, you know, that's a very important point that, that your caller is making. Uh, and that, that, is, that, that is an element of design. So, sorry, I'm just in a bit of an, I mean, I was foyer outside of a meeting room, so it's getting a bit noisy. Can we just move for a second? So that, that is, that is, yes, yeah, so that is a very important point that one takes into design. So if you set your benefit levels, uh, at a very high level, one could um, find the kinds of things that that, that, that that particular caller mentioned happening. But our benefit levels at this stage in our in our social grants are actually quite low. And from a lot of the research that we see, uh, you know, the, that that kind of what we call them perverse incentives do not necessarily happen. We actually find that the grants do help. They actually play a very developmental role in people. Uh, a lot of the research and the interviews we do with beneficiaries show that people actually use the money um, to, for example, go out and look for work. Uh, you, you are kind of incapacitated when you have absolute nothing and you're destitute. You don't even have money to take a, you know, a taxi to go stand on the side of the road to look for a job like many people do. So the grants do help. And we see that even way back from when we just had the old age grant where we had elderly people giving a bit of their old age grant to their children to say, go look for work or do this or do that. We also see it amongst the caregivers of a child support grant where quite a lot of the money is actually prioritized children to pay some of the, 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 the ECD facility fees and so, and so forth. So we do see people utilizing the grant themselves in a very developmental manner because people are interested in their own development. It, there's, there's absolutely no evidence at the moment that our system is doing any damage to people from a developmental aspect. In mm -hmm. fact, there's this much more overwhelming evidence that, you know, people are interested in their own development. You just give them that little bit of money, you actually empower them, you give them some economic choice, and they they will do the right thing with the money and find ways to make that little bit of money uh, create even more money for themselves. Mm. Brenton, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Brenton van Freda, the Chief Director in the Department of Social Development. And, and, and I loved what he was saying towards the end there because there's often just this perception that people who are part of the who are recipients of these social assistance programs are just you know sitting there waiting for the end of the month to receive those payments and that's it they spend the money and wait for the next payout and almost like as if they they don't have agency to do anything else and brenton is right when he talks about part of the research that has been done